Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? All right. I think we're live. We're trying out a remote recording option for this episode. So please bear with us. <laughs> we are not in the same state. Nope. We are about two hours away from each other. <laughs> so we're hoping this runs smoothly. It's been tough schedule-wise to kind of record our first 10 episodes that we've put out. Um, it might be more than 10 by the time this one airs, but now we have the option. We just kind of worked out all the logistics of doing remote recording. So now we can hopefully get more content out with our uh, Zoom recording. When we started this podcast, we knew we wanted to do it. We had talked about it for a long time. But at some point, we had to pull the trigger and just say, okay, we're going to buy the equipment and we're going to figure out how to use it and we're going to just do this thing. And I know, I don't know about you, Kelly, but I have struggled with like perfectionism all my life. And there's probably deep seated reasons for that, <laughs> that we can eventually talk about on this podcast. But one of the things that I had to overcome in order to start this was that it's not going to be perfect and that we have to just put it out there and it's going to be as good as it's going to be. And we'll get better each week and we'll learn things and we'll move on. But the only way that this was going to come to fruition for real life was to just put it out before we were ready. Right. Cause you were really um, focusing on well, which you still are is like the editing portion of it. It would take you forever to edit just cause you wanted it to sound like perfect. And I'm like, it's not going to be <laughs> the first few episodes though. A, I was learning how to edit. So I, it took like forever. I didn't know what I was doing. And B, there was just more to edit out than there is now because I think we're getting a little bit more comfortable now. But like the first few episodes, we literally just hit record and we were like, we're, we're testing out the mics to like see if they work. <laughs> and we just started talking and eventually like I went to just practice editing so I can see how it worked. And then I finished it and I was like, that was a lot of work. I'm not doing that again. We're just going to send this one out. And this was going to be the first episode. And we just went from there, even though it was technically supposed to be practice. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it's been working out so far. Like you're already engineering, but you can add your, your sound audio engineer. <laughs> Not to your resume. It, I'm going to add it to my resume, you know, sound engineer. And there was so much more to edit out because the sound was so bad. Like we recorded yeah. those first few episodes at my mom's house just because we were trying to take advantage of the time when I was down there visiting because we were in the same state. Chaos in the background. <laughs> just just like my dad was, he was installing Building something. Do you know what he was doing? No. He was installing cabinets in the garage that he took from my house, my old cabinets. I'm redoing my kitchen and he could not see them go to waste. <laughs> so I had a, a guy come to like take all the old demo stuff to the dump. And my dad was like pulling stuff out of the pile that he wanted to keep to save from the dump because he just, he can't let they can't. things go. No. So he was installing my old cabinets in his garage. Right. Like my basement cabinets are uh, from my old kitchen upstairs. They have to like, <laughs> they have to re refurbish and reuse. 
everything. Yeah. He, he was doing that, like hammering into the walls while we were trying to record a podcast episode. I think the second episode, we were in a different room. The acoustics were equally bad, if not worse. And you could hear like my dog and my mom and my kid just like running around outside the door. And we were like, oh my God. So the editing, I had to learn a lot of <laughs> editing tricks for those first couple episodes to make it even sound halfway decent. And even now I still, I, I can't really listen to any of the episodes without cringing too much, but we're getting better, I think, hopefully. Yeah, I think so too. And then plus you have to keep listening to the audio to edit. So at some point you must get like tired of hearing our voices. You have to just keep replaying it, right? Oh yeah. So I have I go through this roller coaster relationship with each episode. So <laughs> so we record it. And I usually I can't get right into editing it right away. I have to like wait a little bit of time to kind of separate myself from the recording. But when I do go in, I have to listen to it on repeat. I usually listen like once all the way through just to kind of get an idea of what's even in the episode, what might need to be cut out. Then I have to go back and just like keep listening through it slowly. <laughs> like as I, as I edit each piece and then I've got to like listen one more time all the way through, make sure I got everything out of it that needed to come out, make sure there's nothing crazy before I put it into like post-production. And then when it comes out of post-production, I have to listen to it all the way through again. So by the time I actually publish the episode, I am so sick of it. I am so sick of hearing it. And I'm <laughs> like, this is crap. This is awful. I don't even want to put this out there. But then I come around and I give it some space and I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And then you message me to let me know that it's published and it's going to, you know, go out on the Tuesday. So I have to wait till it goes out. So I hear it at the same time as everybody else does too. <laughs> so, you know, I always, I try to listen to it first thing in the morning before work. And I'm like, Melissa, that sounded amazing. <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, I don't know what you were worried about. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, I've been nitpicking all the little things in the audio. So like I can hear them when I listen through the episode. But if you were just kind of casually listening, you probably wouldn't pick up on those things. No, and when we try to keep it as natural sounding too, because like a podcast is like a conversation between two people or, you know, multiple people. So we do want to, like, you don't want to hear the, obviously, like cars in the background or like the air conditioner or like banging. Like, so I get it. <laughs> in that regard, another thing is that we are Portuguese. So we learned very quickly that touching the mic was really bad for audio quality at right. any point during the recording and also like touching the table or hitting the table that the mics are on all very bad for audio quality unfortunately we talk with our hands i think we just posted a couple of videos on social media about that <laughs> and so it is very difficult there was some like pop filters that we tried putting on these mics and like they just wouldn't stay put and we're just knocking things around. So we, we kept were, touching like, them. We kept like hitting yeah, those. <laughs> we're hitting the pop filters even worse. So we kind of got rid of those, but now we're just making like whooshing sounds across the mic with our <laughs> hands constantly. And we had to get Kelly like a fidget toy so that she would stop playing with the mic and the uh, cords while she's recording. My hands just need to be touching something. <laughs> It's hard, especially when you're in like, you know, you're really into telling the story. It's just it comes out. <laughs> so it's so it's like hard not to. I think if I had my hands 
handcuffed, I would not be able to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a reflex. Like I don't know I'm doing it. It just, it just happens. We get excited. It's all it is. Yes, exactly. I think that's kind of like like Portuguese and Italian people both have that in common where, you know, that saying of like, I'm not loud, I'm just Italian, or I'm not loud, I'm just Portuguese. Right. It's just, it's just a way that we speak at a high volume. I love that you kind of brought that up because that just reminded me of like when I would, you know, back in the day, you would be on your phone. And if I had a friend, if I was talking to somebody on the phone that was like, I'm American, they didn't have like immigrant parents. If they could hear like my parents in the background, they'd be like, oh my God, like your parents are fighting. Like, what are they fighting about? I'm like, no, they're just talking to each other. <laughs> they're trying to find out what they're having for dinner. Like, I don't, there's nothing going on there. They were no. in a civil conversation. They're like, yeah, they're like, oh, do you have to go? Because your parents are fighting. I'm like, they're not fighting. <laughs> they're just, they're talking to each other. All normal. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a family gathering, like so difficult to bring an outsider that's not aware of that cultural norm into right. that like for for a gathering where like people are just like yelling at each other and they're like <laughs> what is happening here and we're like no this like is- why is everybody so bad at a family party <laughs> right exactly so we're here to celebrate <laughs> so we we wanted to just take a few minutes at the beginning of this episode to just kind of recap a little bit of kind of how we got here which we just did a little bit of that podcasting journey but also to just say thank you for the people who are tuning in week after week and listening to us. Yes, thank you. We appreciate it so much. We, this is something that we love love to do and we've been wanting to do for a long time. So we're just so happy that we are finally doing it. And we were just really happy that people are listening to us. <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward to, fill, to to record the first few episodes because we were literally speaking into the void like we were just talking to our quote-unquote listeners but we hadn't even released any episodes but now to actually know that there are listeners when we say listeners there are actually people out there listening I mean they may be all of our family members but but. (laughs) no we've gotten like some people like messaging us that are not and we've gotten a lot of great feedback positive feedback so far which we love it seems like the listenership has slowly gone up with each episode we post, which is awesome. Um, hopefully things are spreading by word of mouth and and you are sharing our podcast with all of your closest friends. It's a, a culture podcast. So I think all cultures can relate to our podcast in some way. Yeah. And I think part of what we're going to do for the rest of this episode is really just kind of more broadly talk about what it's like to be a children of an immigrant and not necessarily Portuguese. I mean, you know, that's obviously our experience, but we know we've seen people post videos on on social media from vastly different cultures and they have the same experience of being a child of immigrants to the US. And and that experience is so, so similar across cultures. It hits home. <laughs> Every time I see one of those videos, I'm like this is so relatable. <laughs> right. Like, this is my life. So we love that people have been starting to engage with us on social media and telling stories of theirs that they thought of because they listened to our podcast, which I think is really cool. I love hearing those stories. We want you to continue to do that because that is just kind of what this is all about. We're just all related <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> No, we do. So we just keep 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 those coming. 
if we dive into kind of that whole like children of immigrants experience, one of the the big things that always comes up that you you know you see other cultures talking about, and that we definitely experienced was in the medical arena. <laughs> doctor's appointments and translating for doctor's appointments. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of experience and stories in these. <laughs> and you, so you were doing it for your parents, which that I can only imagine was way more frequent than I had to do it. So my parents mostly had doctors that did speak Portuguese, but sometimes if they had to like go to a specialist or like where they were referred to another doctor, I would have to go with them because a they don't know how to fill out the paperwork <laughs> and they don't know obviously if someone that's there speaks Portuguese. So I would have to like take so much time. Like I would always have to take time off work. It was easier when I was in school. I didn't mind it because I'm like, I'll skip class, whatever. It's fine. I'll skip class, go to the doctors. So yeah, that's been my, my whole life pretty much <laughs> translating for them. Okay. But talk about how young this started. Cause you're talking about like getting out of work, but I remember going to the doctor with my grandmother and translating for her. And I was like, I couldn't have been more than nine years old. Like, right. It goes way back. <laughs> exactly. We didn't know medical terminology. I don't know it now. No. I did, definitely didn't know it at nine. No, like, how do I say it? a tumor or like a cyst? How do you say that in Portuguese? So, you know how I said it? Tumor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I'm a cursor. No, <laughs> And she's just looking at me and she's like, cancer? She's like, because she heard the doctor like say that word to me. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. No. So like my experience with my mom one well one of the experiences with her so she was going for her typical mam like mammogram every year she gets a phone call saying they found something they found the kaza so i go with her i go to the our hospital that we have here in the city and i'm now in my brain i'm like oh my god they tell me that my mom has breast cancer i have to now tell her this <laughs> and i'm in high school <laughs> thankfully it was nothing she didn't have to do like the second part of it because that showed that it was anything, but just being so scared because what if you do have to tell them that? Right. Like, I'm like, I don't know what it is. Like, I would just be like, yeah, cancer. To touch cancer. Yeah, I think they know what that means. I know, but it's like, like, no, like the doctor's going to come down, right? Like the doctor that speaks Portuguese from the Azores, he's going to come down and tell her. I know. Not her know. high school student, not her high school student of a daughter. I know. <laughs> it's uh it's so nerve-wracking. Yeah. I, I mean, with my grandmother, again, I was nine. The doctor told me that they found a tumor on her bladder. I had to tell she, she this was unknown to her before this appointment. I had right. to be the one to tell her. And to this day. I remember the doctor telling me it was benign. And then I told her it was which literally translates to like a thing that's not that bad on your bladder <laughs> because I didn't know the right terminology. But then flash forward and like now she has bladder cancer and 
she will tell me, like, I'll be talking to her and she's like, remember, you took me to the first appointment when I found out I had cancer on my bladder. And I'm like, I don't think that's how I translated it for you. Like, I don't think I told you that you had cancer. I think I said it was because not very, not bad. Right. I think I would remember if I had to tell you before if you had cancer. (laughs) I was like, I think I fucked up. (laughs) I mistranslated. Did you misdiagnose your grandmother? (laughs) I think so. I think so. According to her memory, but. The doctors are wondering why your grandma hasn't come in for treatment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Her granddaughter said that she was fine. The pressure that they put on us to do that. And like, I don't, they don't think that like, you're like, oh, you're just coming with me. You're going to tell me what the doctor's telling me. And it's like, you know, I've had appointments. I've gone to like the chiropractor with my father, like, you know, things like that. Cause like when he got worried, her at work, he had to stop going to a chiropractor. Like that was, that was nothing. I went first couple appointments just to make sure like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're not going right. to like break his neck. Cool. We're good. I don't have to come anymore. But obviously the more serious appointments, it's scary. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. It's not like you're going with them to like a routine physical, like you're going with them to get, deliver them like serious information as so a child. I, I have like one other story. This, I was a little bit older. I was in college. So I was in college at this point and goes the same thing. Now my mom just has that. She's scared of like every time she goes and gets a mammogram now because she's had these like two incidents. So all one day, on one day I'm at work and this is when I like, I worked close by to home all of a sudden, I see my mom at my job. <laughs> I see my mom at my job and I see her talking to her like a coworker of mine. But I was like, a, we were friendly. So my mom knew who she was. And I'm like, why is my mom here? So now I'm just pure anxious because I'm like, hey, like my dad died. My brother died. I don't know. So, like so, someone died. Right. Why is she here at my job? She runs. She sees me. She runs to me. And I'm just like, OK, hand with a paper in her hand. <laughs> It was her results from her mammogram because she doesn't speak English and because she's so anxious and didn't want to wait for me to come home to read it. She came to my work so I can translate the paperwork for her to tell her that everything's good. See you next year. (laughs) (laughs) The paper literally just says like, like we've had an address change and we just wanted to notify you. And she's like, what does it mean? I'm like, oh, my God. So we think about it from our perspective, but imagine it from their perspective, like they're adults in a country that they can't even understand the language to communicate with their own medical care. And they need to rely on some punk ass nine-year-olds to (laughs) accurately describe to them what's happening with their body. Like that's scary. I definitely wouldn't want to do that. Like I would, I like need to be speaking the same language as my doctor, as my veterinarian, with my veterinarian, I need to speak the same language. <laughs> like I have such OCD and anxiety about that. I could never rely on somebody else translating it for me. <laughs> no. Like, you know, some words don't mean the same kind of like when you translate. So it's like, are you saying what I'm saying? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the the doctor would he would literally look at me and do a spiel of like intense medical terminology for like 12 minutes and I would turn to my grandmother and in like four words I'd be like yep I told her and he's like no you didn't like what do you mean I'll explain it to you when we get home (laughs) like what do you think the doctors think of that whole situation I'm sure they're so used to it 
especially in my like my area now that everybody just like needs a translator at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably like you said they did a good job of getting or having Portuguese speaking doctors even from like way back when. Like I think I think all of all of that area went to the same doctor. Right. I and had the, a doctor. The waiting, the waiting room was like <laughs> 70 Portuguese people deep anytime you went in there because they only had to, that one doctor that spoke Portuguese and they all would make an appointment with the same doctor. I had a doctor in the family, my vavo's cousin, and he actually became, he was a doctor here in Fall River. And I'm like, mom, did we go to him? And I was like, no, <laughs> we didn't go to him. And I was like, why wouldn't we? She's like, he doesn't need to know what's going on with us. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like what? Oh, super secretive. Everything's yeah, super it's secretive. Another Portuguese thing is being super secretive. I feel like they also kind of had some doctors that weren't really doctors. They were kind of like right voodoo type doctors. <laughs> did you ever like healers? Yeah, yep. There was like a healer advertised on TV, our TV channel. And my dad took down the guy's number. And I was like, you're not. Not that I'm against it, but I was like, you're not going to go to that by yourself. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? It's so weird because like they believe in so much of that, like, you know, I've never seen mostly Catholic from, from our culture. And so they believe in like all the miracles and like right. all of that special <laughs> magic healing that had happened <laughs> in the Bible. So then they have these like healer people who are like claiming they do all these crazy healing right. <laughs> techniques and they believe all that too. So-and-so went to this person and they had they had back pain so bad they couldn't even walk. And when they came out, they never had a back pain again. And, it was like, <laughs> and I'm all for like the natural way healing is like, you know, I hate going to doctors too. But some things I'm like, mm, <laughs> I don't know if you're having a heart attack. Should maybe probably go to the hospital. <laughs> like my father is like, I would say maybe the typical Portuguese that they don't like to go to the doctors. Mm-mm. They'll do everything on their own. They'll figure it out. You know, they have all these like remedies and and I've slowly kind of become that. Like my ears are bothering me. I'll I'll like boil olive oil and you're supposed to put it in your ear. <laughs> That's like a remedy. <laughs> it works. And I've I've done it plenty of times. Yeah, so my father is just not into any of that. Like, he'll obviously go to his appointments, do his, like, blood work, but it goes for the dentist, too. Like, he doesn't do the dentist. He doesn't find no reason that he needs to go. There was one time where my father had really bad uh, molar pain in his back. Now he's trying to call the dentist. They can't take him, whatever. They, they could take him, like, tomorrow or something. So I get home from work one day. <laughs> And my dad had pulled out his own molar with a wrench. <laughs> I think it's a wrench, right? Tool. Pliers? That like that. Pliers, I'm sorry. Yeah, not a wrench. I was like, oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're going to have tetanus. I don't know what kind of infection you just gave yourself. <laughs> what you kind probably, of savage does that? You like, probably, it, wasn't, it wasn't loose. It wasn't like a loose tooth. No, he just had like toothache. Like he probably needed like a cavity filled or something, but just because he's so like anti everything. He's going to need a lot more after that. <laughs> he took it in his own hands and he just yanked it out with pliers. Oh my God. So he still had to go to the dentist, right? No, he didn't go. He didn't oh. go? Nope. 
didn't didn't get on antibiotics nothing <laughs> i'm telling my father's like anti like everything and he just somehow it works out <laughs> how did he not get a dry socket <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> i'm telling you i'm pretty sure he didn't go i'll have to ask him maybe update but i don't ever remember like i don't remember him taking antibiotics or something for it he just did it himself and i'm like all right guess that works i mean he I'll saved you. he saved some money <laughs> I'm not going to trust you to do that to me. <laughs> I'm going to go to the dentist. Thank you very much. When oh I got my, my crown, when I told him that I had to get a crown and like, you know, dental insurance, like rarely covers anything. I think I have like a bill for $1,500, like sitting somewhere. And my father, like, why did, why did you pay? Like, why did you do that? Like, I could have just took the tooth out for you. <laughs> no, thank no. you. Oh my God. No, Snoo. I, I want my tooth. <laughs> See, like, I know that they're known for, like, like when you're younger and you're losing your baby teeth and you're getting your adult teeth, they're known for, like, you know, a good yank and pulling right. out a baby tooth before it's ready. Like, oh. the, the Portuguese, like, you know, they go in for the wiggle. Oh, let me just yeah. see how loose it is. And they go in for the wiggle and just yank it. Like, I've yeah. had that. You might think every tooth that I ever lost got pulled out that way by my dad. But just going in with pliers to a like a wisdom tooth, like, mm-mm. Yep, I died. Nope. <laughs> and I just remember, like, should I, like, Google that my dad just did this? Like, should I? And I was like, you know what? If he starts complaining about pain still, then maybe we'll take him in. <laughs> but, nope. And then you go, now you go to the dentist and he's like, what's going on, sir? Like, oh, I got some pain over here. Like, okay, can I see what happened? And you're like, are these plier marks? <laughs> You don't, I guess you don't feel a lot when he's drinking some alcohol though. Oh, that antiseptic. Yeah, just, he took care of it. Yeah, you just put, pour some whiskey right down on that. That's it. You're all set. Close it all up. <laughs> no infection there. Oh my God. So I don't know when he was pulling his own tooth over there, but just very recently, like in the past like month, you told me he went to the bakery and he was just going to get like pup sucks, some just some bread from the bakery. And he like came home with bread and like a homemade mystery ointment in a jar. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a homemade situation from somebody yeah, he that he just ran into at the bakery. Yeah. It was like one morning he just came home with the pop sucks and all of a sudden he had this like little small mason jar, which I can pose because I think it, I still have it. And it just looks like an ointment. And no name on it, nothing. It's like obviously homemade. And he said he ran into somebody. They were selling it, and it's good for uh, for back pain, for douche. And I'm like, oh, okay. a stranger. He a stranger. He didn't know this person. No. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, don't buy shit like this. I mean, uh, that's like they're both to blame. They're both to blame. <laughs> the person who's just showing up to the bakery with trying to unload their ointment on people is to blame. <laughs> And, and also, my- <laughs> your dad for buying it is to blame. The Portuguese people just trust each other. You speak, you know, that's it. It's all it takes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. So I have one more story, my dad. I promise listeners, my last one. <laughs> Not too long ago, I had to go to the emergency room with my dad. He was having like, I never say it right, pneumonia, right? Mm-hmm. I always want to say the cleaning product. So he had like pneumonia. They were trying to find it, whatever, right? 
the lady, the doctor comes out with my dad's like x-ray results. And I've mentioned before, my dad's a drinker. It's kind of, I hate to say it's typical, but it's typical of Portuguese dudes to be a drinker. He obviously makes homemade, makes his own wine. So the doctor comes out with like his x-rays and uh, they did like a CAT scan. That's what they did. And you're like, oh yeah, we found his like pneumonia, pneumonia. And she's like, we found something else. I'm like, oh, not prepared for that. Because <laughs> my dad's my dad just came in for like a lung thing because he was having like a hard time coughing. I'm like, what do you mean you found something else? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. So of course, now I'm like anxious. Mind you, so here I am. The doctor's telling me they found something. They're talking to me, obviously. Meanwhile, my dad is watching a Benfica game on his phone. <laughs> Because he was pissed that he even had to go to the hospital because his doctor couldn't take him that day. So he was pissed because he knew he was going to miss the game. And I was like, Dad, you can like watch it on your phone. Like, like, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. But like, meaning like when you're in the waiting room, like you can watch it on your phone, not when you're in the doctor's with the doctor, like with your results. (laughs) So he's watching the game the whole time. And the doctor's like telling me it was like something with his liver. The information didn't even like get to him. He just didn't care. He was just like, all right, uh, it's a boom, it's a boom Okay, let's go. Because he wants to like go watch his Benfica game. <laughs> there you have one day to live. Go! Uh, right? The doctor's trying to tell you like maybe you should probably take it easy with the drinking, but you know, you're going to go home and pop one open to watch during your Benfica game. Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't even believe that. Yeah. So if you guys have any stories you want to tell us, please feel free to share it with us because we think they're funny. <laughs> my grandmother would make me read her mail when I was there. Like I would stay at her house like after school and in the summer and stuff and she'd get the mail and I would be the first person to go through the mail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like try to figure out this. Oh, this is junk. This is junk. <laughs> You, you owe $25 for the phone bill, whatever like it was. I had to do the same. I would always like go through the mail for them. And I remember getting like a chain letter in the mail and I just freaked out because it, it said like you needed to like send this to 20 people, you know, send this to 20 people or this could happen. And like I just didn't. Obviously, I'm young and I didn't know what this chain letter was. And I was like, shit, if I don't do this so-and-so is going to die or whatever. So I just remember and I started to write out the chain letter <laughs> so I could like send to people. And my mother's like, dude, he's like, that's freaking junk. Just throw that out. And I was like, oh my God, no. That's probably where my OCD probably started. Yeah, there's definitely anxiety, deep-seated anxiety from like all the that type of shit we used to have to deal with, whether it was in the mail or early internet days of like, you are going to die a painful death if you don't <laughs> forward this on. And you're like at such an impressionable age that you're like receiving this message for the first time. And you don't have someone like an adult to tell you that it's like right. not real. Because you're the you're adult. The, you're the one. Yeah. Like you, you're adults and your parents in your life at that point didn't know how to use a computer. Yeah. So it was like you were the one who was having to make that decision and determine, <laughs> decipher whether or not you were going to have bad luck for the rest of your life or <laughs> not, or if this was just a hoax. And you didn't have someone to turn to to be like, you had your older brother and it sounded like he kind of figured it out on his own. But like I was an only child. I was like the only one available to make that decision. Right. 
you couldn't be like mom is this real like they they'd be like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well so you gotta do it <laughs> there you are all night emailing people your chain letter <laughs> i'm sure our listeners can relate but for some reason like my brother would never get asked to do anything like it was always me I don't know if it was because, like, my mom would always say it's because, like, I was a little smarter than my brother. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, obviously not. You were writing out the chain letters. <laughs> he told you not to, so. <laughs> but, like, now, like, I used to, like, write out their checks for them because, like, my mom wasn't trusted to write a check out because she would add, like, an extra zero a decimal place in the wrong spot. So she wasn't trusted. Like, I would always have to do it. Or I would always have to call, like, if they needed, like, something for the insurance health insurance i would have to call it was never my brother <laughs> it's always daughter that has to do everything it, that's interesting and it didn't matter if you were like the older or the younger it was just like yeah fell on you anyway because like, i feel I like a lot of times it falls on like the eldest right not in your case no like a lot of my cousins are like the daughters are the second youngest are the youngest and it was the same situation for them so I don't know if it was just like a gir- it's a girl thing. I don't know. Listeners, let us know. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, I didn't have to do that with my parents. It was only like by chance when I was around my grandparents. But yeah, I think it was just like by default because I was the one who was there in the summer and some of my older cousins weren't there. I don't know. My mom would always be like, oh, it's because you're just you're smarter than your brother a little bit. <laughs> and I'm that's like, the guilt. That's the guilt trip she would right. give you just to make you do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Like, here I am at a young age, balancing a freaking checkbook. Uh, I remember having to, like, do stuff with my dad's, like, 401k. I'm like, I'm, like, 10 years old. (laughs) I don't know what a 401k is. (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) No. Yeah, those things are difficult to navigate as, like, an adult. So absolutely. How would you even go about that as a child? I remember I had to like transfer something with his like 401. I don't know because he was switching jobs or something. So I had to like, couldn't even explain it to you now. <laughs> and I have a 401k, but like, I just remember having to do that. And I was like, wait, I'm like 10 years old and I'm handling my dad's, <laughs> my, my dad's retirement money. <laughs> it's like one of those things where like they are trying to like verify that they're speaking to the owner of the account <laughs> and you're just like, yes, that's me. <laughs> You know how annoying that is? I would call and they would need to like, oh, we need to speak to the blah, blah, blah on the account. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, a lot of times my dad wasn't home because he was at work and he would get home super late. So he wouldn't like he would get home way past the time that these things were open. till. So I'm like, fuck. So I would either do the deep voice or have my if my brother was around. I'd be like, I need you to just pretend that you're dad. <laughs> like, this is his birthday. <laughs> this is all this. This is his social. Oh, my God. So as you were just saying that, I just remembered one of the pieces of mail that used to come from my grandparents. And it was one that I used to actually help with. And it was when they would get called for jury duty. Yeah. I'd be like looking through the form. I'm like, where's the one that says the only word he knows in English is hot dog. (laughs) Where's that option? Is that option D? Like my grandfather, the entire time I've known him. And he's passed away since, but is this on your whose side? On my, on my dad's side. Okay. The literal only word I've ever heard him speak in English was 
hot dog. And I think he learned it from like a Mickey Mouse clubhouse situation. I think there's like Goofy does like a hot dog dance, like hot dog, hot dog, hot yep, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, I feel like that's where he learned that word. And it became like a running joke. I could communicate with him because I spoke Portuguese and that was fine. Right. Like, he wasn't like a big communicator in general. Like he just he wasn't he didn't speak a lot. My only memories of him are just like the kids running up to him and being like, Bavu, hot dog. And then he would just like <laughs> look at us and be like, hot dog. And he would just repeat it. And it was just the most hysterical <laughs> thing. So like, is that an option when you're returning the jury duty form <laughs> to be like, he only knows hot dog. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. You know, I had a couple of those forms for my parents. Uh, more my dad, honestly. My mom didn't get too many. So at first, I could always mark that he wasn't a U.S. citizen. So that was like a one out. Like, oh. if you're not a U.S. citizen, you don't have to do it. So I'm like... But then there's one for like, you don't speak English, right? Right. Yeah. So then he became a U.S. citizen. So I'm like, dad, I can't pick that option. <laughs> and then there is an option like you can't speak English. You can't like throw the card out yet. You have to like get that email back to say that your qualification is like accepted and it's like he doesn't speak english <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't miraculously learned to speak english like, you, you can make me show father. up but i'm just gonna look at you and be like a hot dog <laughs> <laughs> you do not want my father to convict anybody because <laughs> he's gonna be like yeah sure he did it <laughs> the husband did it <laughs> okay but could you imagine if they actually did speak english or understand it and could get picked for a jury and you know how you're like not supposed to talk to anybody like outside about that? Oh, <laughs> like it, the po- are you kidding me? It would the not Portuguese have applied for that. Calling up the whole town on their telephone to tell them you'll never believe. I think for more high profile cases, they like sequester people. They would have to just do that for like traffic violation trial from just with our Portuguese people. <laughs> oh my god. They just like went to call everyone and tell them what happened. So if they had to sequester them in a hotel, could you imagine? My grandmother to this day, she she cannot sleep in a hotel. She cannot. It's interesting. She came to my wedding. It was like two hours away and she had to stay in a hotel. I woke up the next morning and I went and I saw her and she told me I didn't sleep one wink last night. She said, I just laid there in the bed and I stared at the door the entire time. Like she was so scared. And I'm like, I felt so bad. She's like, she's like, there's going to be somebody could just walk through that door at any point in time. I'm like, what do you mean? And this is where we get our anxieties from. (laughs) Honestly, I don't think my parents ever stayed at a hotel either. Yeah. So my grandmother was absolutely terrified, did not want to stay in a hotel in any way, shape or form. So she couldn't be sequestered. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. No. Because imagine like because some trials can go a while and imagine her having to stay in a hotel for like a month for a thing would never get any sleep. And, And this was before she had the added anxiety of somebody trying to burn her house down while she was sleeping in it. Yeah, that's that was a crazy story. I couldn't believe that when you called me. That was its own other story. There was like some arsonist going around and he lit her tenement house on fire while she was sleeping in it. And that's like a whole new brand of anxiety that I don't I don't think I personally would be able to sleep again after that. But for them, I mean, she already had like 
ridiculous anxiety. I don't know how she sleeps at night now. <sighs> the poor woman. Because that right there, just, I have my own anxieties about night sleeping so, and that I don't even want to throw out there. So I kind of get grandmother's pain. But they did catch the guy that did it. So that's great. <laughs> that poor thing at your wedding that she didn't get any sleep. Nope. And she like had to go and tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, oh, like, like, how was your night? How was your sleep? I didn't sleep one week. <laughs> she had to make it a point to tell you. She couldn't even just lie and say, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, they don't sugarcoat. No, they don't. They don't sugarcoat a damn thing. They are the most pessimistic bunch I've ever met in my entire life. Yep. They'll tell you the way. They'll tell you exactly the way it is. So negative they like all the time. They'll tell you. Uh, They've never had a good day. they've never had had a good day in their whole life have you ever asked like a portuguese person like how they're how how are you and they respond with like good Uh, no it's like no (laughs) it's like alive he's still alive he's still he's still pizan everything hurts them they'll just immediately go yeah immediately into aches and pains immediately that well, I guess uh, God hasn't killed me yet. Still here. <laughs> another day. All the time. I've heard a complaint about her back pain for the last like three weeks. Face ch- FaceTime chatted with like my aunts like in Portugal. And I could hear her telling them about her back pain. <laughs> they love to just commiserate with each other. Yeah. Misery loves He's, company. They oh, just love to just be I was just gonna say all that. in their sorrows. Yeah. I would say you guys have a little bit of a better life here, right? <laughs> you know, I think the only appropriate way to end this episode would be the way that they end every conversation when you say bye to them and you say like, all right, bye. I'll see you tomorrow. And they are just like, which just means if God wants, like if, if God doesn't strike me dead between now and tomorrow, right? I'm still here. So it's about that time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast, please just give us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. You can also visit our website. It's folkandfad.com. We have transcripts available there of every episode. And you can also send us an email, mail at folkandfad.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. Same handle there, folkandfad. And for Instagram, you can follow us at underscore it's called culture.